So the company was undergoing a revenue automation project. We weren't involved on the outset. So they had gone through business requirements, configuration was ongoing. And one of the requirements was customization to essentially calculate SSP the exact same way they were doing it in their Excel models. So they brought us in to help and try to troubleshoot and, and kind of lend some guidance. Ultimately, what we determined was that the SSP, how they were calculating SSP in the models was actually not according to guidance. Dollars. Dollars. Meaning you work with numbers? Oh, it's so much more than that. Modernization. By streamlining the process. So let's get right down to business. And modern problems require modern solutions. Elementary, my dear Holmes. Elementary. Consider it done. This is The Closers. Hi, welcome, David. Thanks for joining me today. I'm excited to have you on with me on the record. We've had a couple of conversations here around RevRec and the impacts it has around processes for accounting teams. Excited for you to be able to share your insight with the team and the listeners here today. Oh, excited to be on it. Thank you for having me. Of course. Now, I understand this might be your first podcast recording. Is that true? That is true. Very first. <laughs> All right. Now, knowing that, do you listen to podcasts? Too many. I have a huge backlog of, of podcasts um, that I listen to. Please share. Uh, so, <laughs> so there is obviously Joe Rogan. There's also, I don't know if you're familiar with Rewatchables. It's a Bill Simmons podcast where he they go over like classic movies. No. And just kind of, they have like a list of awards, you know, who's the over actor in the movie. And they just, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. So that's, that's <laughs> what I listen to on the regular. Um, See Conan O'Brien's podcast. I listened to him because I mean I I love Conan. I used to watch him way back in the day when he was back in still in New York, actually. Likewise, likewise. I didn't even actually realize he had a podcast, so I'll have to check it out. We're going to start the episode with our off the ledger segment to get to know you a little bit before we get down to business. So let's roll. Well, um, one of the questions I love to ask every guest, so would love your take on this. I've recently said we haven't had the same answer twice, is around how you refer to the holistic revenue process. So, you know, in my past, I use order to revenue, quote to revenue, quote to cash. I've now heard lead to revenue. I've heard lead to reporting. How do you refer to that holistic process? Quote to cash. Personally, but I've I've heard the gamut. I typically, if I hear a a prospective client or a client uses specific terminology, I try I try to stick to that. But you you ask me question out of the blue, first thing that comes to mind is quote to cash. I like it. I like it. So after my own heart, so I I can appreciate that for sure. So tell me a little bit about your current work. Like, what is it that if you can explain to the listeners? A little bit about what you do um, and um, the types of clients you work with at CFGI. Sure. Uh, so at CFGI, we primarily serve as a partner to the CFO and like to function as an extension of our clients' organization. So it's a number of things. If you could think of it, we probably serve we probably serve that that um, that problem. Uh, whether it's technical accounting, operational accounting, tax, audit, IPO readiness, the gamut. Um, a few years ago, we did launch a technology practice. So that includes cybersecurity, uh, business transformation, which includes revenue automation, which is the area I currently specialize in. I love hearing more and more 
companies, service providers, consultants starting these revenue practices because it's such a big topic and used to just sort of be lumped in with all accounting practices. But it truly is, especially now with all of the different ways in which companies can go to market, all of the recognition. And so it's been interesting to see over the years the shift in how it was just once part of the the accounting function and now is almost a function of its own a lot of times. And around that, what do you see as some of the top challenges that you help most of those uh, those revenue accountants? And what is it that you're oftentimes going in and helping with? So it's accounting for it properly where there is no system solution. So it's either we're dealing with bad or no data at all, um, which is probably <laughs> the biggest issue we come across because it's really, it's really hard to put your fence around it. It's, it's almost mm-hmm. like an oil spill. You can clean what you can see, <laughs> but there's no telling the amount of damage that's underneath. Um, <laughs> I like that. So I'm going to use that, by the way. <laughs> you could take it. I, I'm pretty sure I'm not the first person to come up with that. So um, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I'd say that's probably the biggest challenge I see um, across across the projects that I work with. Yeah. Now, how do you approach that? Just kind of curious, like, you know, do you find times where you go in and maybe the data challenges are even greater than you initially suspected? How do you kind of diagnose that and dive into that? So really taking a step back and may put the audit hat on, how do we best assess this from a a risk and materiality perspective? Where are we most vulnerable? Where is the risk that we're we're dealing truly with with just bad data? And how do we go about ensuring that it's, it's complete and accurate? Yeah. And do you have a way in which you... Do you have like a, a a tool or a solution that you use? Is there something internal to CFGI? What do you guys typically use from a data, say, cleanup perspective or even detection perspective? And so we do have a um, a group within CFGI that specifically date, um, deals with data issues. We do have a team <laughs> specifically that deals with data issues and throwing it into a, a, a model and, and trying to isolate those issues. So we do have that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's something that I see time and time again as one of the biggest challenges. Um, And a lot of times the thing that slows down projects or initiatives the most, business requirements and those business uh, requirement gathering phase usually seems pretty straightforward. It's when you go in to start building out that what that looks like in the design phase of it where then we start to sort of bubble up and say, oh, gosh, we've got problems here, there, and everywhere. And um, it kind of feels like a, you know, a pull on a sweater. You start to to pull on that thread, and before you know it, the sweater is unraveling quickly <laughs> around data. And, <laughs> and w- what else it is? You said oil slick um, or an oil spill. I've also heard it referred to as, a, um, as an iceberg. You can see the tip, but under the water, you have no idea just how big it is. So... Um, with your current role, um, director at CFGI, what are some of those recent challenges that you have faced? Like, is there a particular project recently that you've had or a client that you've worked with that that really stands out? And, and curious how you kind of worked through that with them. So one that immediately comes to mind is, um, so the company was undergoing a revenue automation project. We weren't involved on the onset. So they had gone through business requirements. The configuration was ongoing. 
And one of the requirements was customization to essentially calculate SSP the exact same way they were doing it in their Excel models. They had large deals. I say a small number of large deals, but very material deals. So, um, and they wanted SSP calculated a specific way and they wanted the tool to do it the exact same way. They were running into issues with this customization. So they brought us in to help and try to troubleshoot and, and kind of lend some guidance. Um, ultimately, what we determined was that the SSP, how they were calculating SSP in the models was actually not according to guidance. No. <laughs> so they <laughs> Surprise! So they, surprise! <laughs> you know, this customization that you asked for, that the, that the vendor, you know, put, you know, hours in trying to develop and you're currently having troubles with isn't according to guidance. So that's essentially ultimately where they had to do was uh, modify that customization so that it, it's actually, it's, you know, the system was actually built to handle SSP out of the box. Let's rule it out that that's a not what you're looking for. And if it isn't what you're looking for, why isn't it what you're looking for? Is there something specific about what you're doing that's, I'd say, more aligned with guidance than what the system is? Because often more times than not, right, these systems are built to be able to manage that and be agile enough to deal with however you calculate SSP, whether it's percentage of lists, you've got a specific price point, whatever it is, it's, it's there to manage it. And, you know, it's interesting when you were talking about the customization piece of that, it made me think about how many times we've run into situations where it feels like customization is sort of like the path of least resistance, right? Like it feels like, oh, if I can just solve for this piece of it and I'll just sort of, you know, create this code that should handle it for me. And unfortunately, when you've got those customizations, what that does is it kind of captures that point in time. But it's not necessarily something that's agile, which I just heard you use that word is, you know, it's very static to whatever that need is right then and there. And imagine if that client had actually gone through and been successful in their A, customization, but then B, figured out that it was incorrect and then had to go back and fix it. That's even even harder to do. So I think it's a great point around out-of-the-box functionality and curious your thoughts on something related to that. I believe sometimes clients just want to try to automate whatever it is that they are doing in a spreadsheet, right, wrong, or indifferent. And so I think, you know, it makes sense. They're just kind of thinking, well, you know, these are the things that I do and these are my processes and this is how I book it today. But then when you really pull it apart, it's sort of like that that may have been created by some sort of you know, uh, process over time. You know, it's sort of like bubble gum and sticky tape. Like, well, at one point in time, it looked like A, and then it sort of like transitioned into B, and now we're on to like D, E, F, and, and so on. And so it's interesting how some of those processes that a lot of times I hear clients and customers trying to solve for may not actually be the right path. And so when you look at what is the out of the box, box functionality. It's probably there for a reason. And does it mean maybe to undo some of those things that were done unnaturally at the time and could be done in a much better way? Like, do you run into that at all? Is that something that you help clients work through? Like, how often do you see that? I'd say more often than not, it's 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 definitely the biggest struggle, right? Because you know, no one likes change, right? They 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 know what they they know what what works currently, but right they're not really thinking about, is there a better way to do this? Which ultimately, right, the systems are meant to be able to be, to capture that and then also be agile enough if you're, if there's a change down the line, 
shift in strategies, whatever it may be, that you have something that will be able to seamlessly make those change versus, you know, to your point, unwinding the customization and you're kind of stuck with functionality at a point in time. Hey there, I'm M. Daigle, passionate revenue accountant and general manager for Zora Revenue. I've been working on something really exciting that I don't think you're going to want to miss. On September 12th, we're going to be hosting our very first Modern Accounting Summit with our friends at EY, PwC, and Deloitte. It's a virtual event, and we're offering CPE credits for it. So please join us as we talk about our State of Revenue Accounting report. We're also going to be talking about generative AI as it relates to accounting workflows. And we're going to have a roundtable discussion with a number of accounting leaders. So again, you're not going to want to miss it. And if you can't join us live, please still register because you'll be eligible for those CPE credits even when you watch on demand. Hope to see you there. Let's jump to the general ledger. How do you help your clients collaborate with other departments? Maybe it's like sales, marketing, uh, product management, something like that, along with um, revenue accounting to see how they can become like really help drive that growth and help be partners instead of sort of just receiving whatever it is that gets, you know, pushed through from um, those upstream uh, teams. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think working with, to your point, with working with the finance team to be able to, you know, build or have available forecasting to make some of those strategic decisions. I'd say working with the marketing teams, if there's a, a, a marketing deal that they're working through, is there a 606 impact to consider, right? We should, as revenue counts, we should be at the forefront of those discussions versus having to deal with it at the back end, right? Hey, you know, we entered this, this, this contract, you know, figure out how we, how we account for it. We could have been inserted in a, several places before it got to this point where it could have been easier uh, to account for, maybe done a different way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where sometimes I don't think accounting is necessarily thought of as strategic, just, you know, right off the bat. But truly now we're seeing as as you do have these um, initiatives, maybe through technology or process improvement, where it's giving the accounting team a different sort of spin. And now they are being more strategic partners overall, which for me is exciting given that, you know, coming from a world where early on in my days, I spent a lot of time in spreadsheets, just pulling a lot of data and pulling it together and then feeling like I was just pushing it out and and maybe felt more like that, that bean counter versus, you know, over time as my, as my roles sort of, uh, transitioned into something that was a little more tech related, um, gave me the opportunity to explore some other areas and and really be um, more of a partner. And curious if you've seen a shift also in the clients that you work with in a similar way over the years as tech sort of has created this transition or this shift, if there's anything that you've seen as as far as what you've been able to help with, maybe what the um, accounting team's or the teams that have, um, you know, engaged with you to help them? Like, have you seen that sort of get more strategic or grow beyond just the accounting function? Yeah, absolutely. I actually think that's actually one of the biggest misconceptions, I think, about revenue accounting 
in general is we're sort of seen as this back office function, right? We're just a bean counters, just deal with it and deal with accounting for it uh, after the fact. But it's, I think it's understated just how much data we have access to as accountants. Like this, we have an access to just a wealth of data that I think just gets underutilized. It's just, it's just static data that gets sits there underutilized when, especially in the world we're, we're in where, uh, you know, you have the Googles and the Facebooks where everything is just so, so data driven to not utilize that data in a strategic fashion, I think is, it's, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it, but it's, it's a, it's a missed opportunity, I'd say. Yeah, sure. I, I think that's a, it's a great point. And, you know, I'm, I'm wondering too, just as you're talking, helping these clients through whether it's a you know a, a automation project or some sort of tech implementation, what's sort of the follow up work that you see coming out of that? Um, you know, I, I imagine it doesn't just stop at go live. What's the type of follow up work that that CFGI and your team does to help? Like, is there? I, I assume there's some bit of it just supporting um, the initial go live. But then, do you find that there are projects that come out of that as well? As far as like from a strategic standpoint, now that some of that data may be more open to to the uh, revenue accounting teams. Yeah, absolutely. So. Post implementation, there's always, um, especially in a um, in a environment market where there's a lot of acquisitions, right? Often companies acquire a new business and then want to onboard that company onto the onto the platform. There's always additional work there. And to your point, finding better ways to make use of the data that's available, right? The part, the, the one of the huge benefits is the real time reporting that's available using these platforms. So no longer are you waiting on reporting in you know weeks lag. Now you have it. It's really it's literally real time, and it's available for you. And to be able to use that and interpret that, interpret that to make strategic decisions, right? See how 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 are you selling specific products when you bundle product X with product Y? Can can we use that to shift selling strategies? And the one benefit with the platform is that you are and I, I keep harping back to the word agile because I, I think that's actually the probably the biggest benefit is to be agile enough when those selling strategies do shift that you already have a system in place to be able to handle it. Exactly. And I think, you know, as you said, selling strategies, there's also with that agility, there's also the ability to be able to test some of those, right? And so I think sometimes there's a fear to test out new strategies if there isn't a way to easily uh, shift from, you know, A to B or um, whatever needs to be done. And so I do see there being more flexibility in reacting to what the end users actually need. Like we need to be able to be flexible enough that we know how somebody wants to buy. And so being able to make sure that the offerings are set up to allow them to do that in the way they want to. And so having that agility, again, just kind of helps all around. So curious uh, a little bit around how you and your colleagues stay up to date with the latest trends and best practices in the industry. I imagine, you know, you guys have to be at the at the forefront of everything going on um, so that you can help your clients. But how do you stay up to date with those trends? 
So, you know, keep it up to date with webcast covering current events, impacting businesses globally. But I'd say the best way where I'm most stay up to date is in speaking to clients and prospective clients, right? Hearing what issues are at the forefront of their mind, right? One of the hot topics, and I'm sure you've seen recently, is around consumption billing, consumption billing, consumption revenue. I swear, it's like every 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 client I speak to nowadays, it's always, does the platform account for consumption billing, consumption revenue? And I'm sure before that, there was some other some other topic that there's always something new. So I, I'd say that's probably the best way is just seeing what's on the forefront of our clients' minds. Which is really interesting because it almost that almost drives it's it's kind of like social media if you think about it. It's, you know, whatever somebody starts doing. And so it's interesting how even with accounting topics, it can be the same thing. Like you just said, consumption. It feels like it's making its way into every conversation today. Um, that we're all having. And I think it's almost like a, a bit of FOMO sometimes. If a if one customer hears somebody else, maybe their competitor doing something, or um, even just another company that they hear of trying something new and they want to do the same, and then it just, it catches on so fast. So you guys almost have to be not just hearing what it is, but then hearing what it is, reacting and helping out immediately around all of that, which is really interesting. Um, and on that same topic around consumption, because it is so hot right now, what do you think is the most challenging part about consumption for revenue? I'd say tracking. Tra- how do you track consumption? How does how do we, from a systems perspective, track that and then are able to recognize the appropriate revenue based on that consumption? Right? What's the budget? How do we set that? What's it's just it's more so the data elements behind that that I think are probably probably the most complex. But if you take a step back, consumption billing isn't really, I mean, it's not complex of a topic. It's really more so just from a systems perspective, how do we track it and account for it? Yeah, exactly. And all the variability, you know, when you've got those levers of when you reach a certain level, maybe the price changes. If there's a certain amount that there's a, a minimum amount that they must um, use or whatever that is. So to your point, it's that that tra- tracking capability to then be able to react and handle the accounting to that. And it is all based upon the usage piece of that. It's it's literally the the definition behind consumption. So it's really interesting. Um do you find that more clients are trying to handle that initially in a manual fashion? I I imagine it's so difficult and probably doesn't last very long, but you know, how how far can can an accounting team or a revenue accounting team take it in a spreadsheet with consumption? I imagine it breaks pretty quickly. Yeah, that along with modifications are probably the two biggest to be able to track manually an Excel spreadsheet. Um, it's it, it, especially if you're dealing with a large number of contracts, tracking usage, consumption, or contract modifications along along the life of that contract becomes unmanageable at that point. Yeah, exactly, and not just the uh, transaction volume, but then you have the usage and consumption volume on top of those transactions that are consumption-based. So it's almost compounding sometimes when you think of it that way. So how do you at CFGI um, measure the success of the financial consulting services that you provide? Like going into a project, 
how do you set up those measurements? And then how do you measure at the end how successful you were in that particular project? Measure success by the value we generate long after we rolled off. It's There's obviously the immediately val- immediate value that we provide, but is that a lasting, right? Is, is it going to continue to serve that work that we did during that implementation or whatever the project was, right? Did we provide value that's that lasts long after that? Because that's always top of mind and, and that's really how we generate our business. It's really, right? Customer was happy with what we provided. They're still using it at that point. And they, they, they call us back to come back and help with some other issue that they're coming, some other brand new accounting topic that comes to mind, whether it's consumption, billing, or anything else. It's it's really what keeps clients coming back to CFGI. Exactly. Now, I'm curious, just because of those topics and the, you know, the, the, the transformation over time of what the latest trend is. We talked about consumption. I have to ask, have your clients started to dive into the AI world yet, or is everybody still sort of cautiously awaiting what's coming on that front? I think I think this is there's still a bit of cautiousness around AI. I think on all fronts. Um, I'm sure in a, a decade from now we'll be using we'll be using some element of AI, uh, but to what extent you know will they replace our jobs? I can't say. Not the subject matter expert on AI, <laughs> but in my mind, and this is the way I think. Maybe the incorrect way of thinking about it, but let's just say AI is able to right interpret the guidance in a particular way, where it's well, however AI interprets it, it that's 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 the rule. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have four different opinions on how to interpret AI from the four big, big, big four accounting firms. So it's it's it's. To, in my mind, accounting is, it, you can't eliminate the subjective nature of it. While I'm sure we will incorporate some element of AI, to the extent I'm unclear. Yeah, I think it's one of those things too, where I'm hopeful it can help us take care of the more mundane tasks that nobody really wants to do anymore and take care of those, um, much like automation has you know, over the years. But there's something, especially in your line of work too, where the judgment and expertise that comes from the services you provide is something that really, you know, and I don't, again, I'm not the, the expert here either, but I find would be very difficult for AI to learn, especially in any short period of time because of that judgment um, aspect to it, because it's not necessarily cut and dry. Um, if it was, we'd all probably be out of jobs already because yes. <laughs> it would be so it would be so easy to automate some of these things. But because revenue is such a gray area where company to company it needs to be so specifically um consistent, but company to company can be a little bit different, just you know, needs to make sure that whatever those policies are they are being strictly adhered to within the company. Yeah, I, I say I can confidently say no two companies handle <laughs> the exact same topic the, the exact the, the same way. It's it's different company to company. It's part of what makes doing what I do interesting. It's it's something different and company to company, and the problems are slightly different. Right, you're trying to solve for the same thing, but there's always different. There's always different variables that are impacting how you go about it. Uh, absolutely sort of the snowflake effect 
hopefully we can keep these companies snowflakes so we can uh, keep you guys busy. <laughs> yes, AI, the just pushing buttons and doing that, right? AI can handle that. But to your point, where it comes time to 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 making um, you know judgment calls, and and, and uh, I think that's better left to to the human element. And I, I did. I feel like I read somewhere a little while ago that AI, I don't remember whether it's ChatGPT or one of the others, that they took the CPA exam and failed. They did. I, I heard the same thing. Something I keep in my back pocket just to make sure we can all make ourselves still be able yes. to sleep at night a little <laughs> bit more until they can catch up to us in that way. <laughs> As we end here, I just wanted to think about the future of accounting. All right. So final question, David, what do you think's the one stereotype about accountants that you feel like may not be true for people, right? Like bean counters and we always get such a bad rap, but like, why do you think that is? And what's that stereotype that you feel like is just not true? The one that always gets me is the one that all accountants are tax accountants. We're all tax experts, <laughs> right? <Yeah>. We, <laughs> any tax question I get asked, that's the one thing I get asked about the most is tax. And it's probably the least that of all the accounting topics is probably the one I know least about. I have a base knowledge, but I use TurboTax myself. Um, Likewise. <laughs> my grandmother uh, so, used to actually ask me to do, she's like, you're an accountant. Can you do my taxes? And bless her heart, I didn't have the ch- or the opportunity or the the heart to tell her no. So every year I would do my grandmother's taxes in addition to my own. <laughs> I, same same with me. My, my, my parents, they're asking, oh, you're an accountant. You should be able to do our taxes. I'm like, you know, you, you can't say no. So it's like, all right, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> it's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> I know, I know. I'd say I probably circle back to what we were talking about earlier, where revenue accounts aren't just some back office function. I think they it, it should be looked at more more involved in the strategic apps aspects of the company, right? Given that our access to data, given how we're able to um, have dynamic forecasting available to to us. Um, your point, right? T- test specific selling strategies uh, within a platform. So I think all of that, right, um, leads to revenue accounts being more involved with the strategic aspects of a, of a particular company. Could not agree more. And I'm sure all the listeners agree wholeheartedly as well. So David, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a true pleasure chatting with you and we look forward to having you back again. Likewise, one looking forward to coming back. And again, thanks, thanks again for having me.